Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to search the Scriptures with us as we continue with our investigation of what is the most basic and fundamental of all topics in the Bible, Jesus' own gospel about the kingdom of God. If you'll open a Bible at the beginning of Matthew or Mark or Luke and simply read the accounts of what Jesus was up to, the thing that engaged his activity from dawn till dusk, you will find very quickly that it had to do with the announcement of the kingdom of God. For example, in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, we read of the opening of the missionary career of Jesus with the following words. He came into Galilee preaching the gospel about the kingdom of God, God's gospel, and he said, Repent, because the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel message, the gospel message about the kingdom of God. Exactly the same account occurs in Matthew, in chapter 4, verse 17 and verse 23. You read there that Jesus went about all of Galilee proclaiming the gospel about the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God. Those two phrases, incidentally, kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God, are absolutely interchangeable. They are parallel and convertible ways of saying the same thing. There's no more difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God than there is between the United States of America and the United States. These are interchangeable phrases. The kingdom of God was the heart and center of Jesus' gospel. He commanded his audiences to repent, that's to say, to reorientate their lives to a new perspective, to get hold of a new idea, to set brand new goals, and that they should do this with all urgency. Now, why was it that Jesus was so insistent on people reacting favorably and positively to his gospel message about the kingdom of God? Well, simply this. God, through Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ believing himself to be the Messiah, the accredited agent of God, God, through Jesus Christ, was simply laying before the people a choice of destinies, either to be destroyed at the day of the Lord or to be ushered into the kingdom of God as an immortal being. These were the two destinies placed before mankind, to live forever in the kingdom of God or to be destroyed. The purpose of Jesus' whole mission was to get people prepared and ready to meet God and to gain entrance successfully into that great kingdom of the future. The kingdom of God, in Jesus' preaching, is not a nebulous idea at all. It's a synonym for the end of the age or the day of judgment, a day when God, according to all the prophets, will intervene decisively, ultimately, and finally in the affairs of mankind and radically change things here on this earth. The political systems of our present evil age, as Paul referred to it in Galatians 1 verse 4, are numbered. Those days are not going to go on forever. We do not know when the day of the Lord will come, but we can be sure that if the Bible is true, God has intended to exchange our present political world systems for the kingdom of God to be governed by Jesus and his faithful followers of all the ages. That's the simple scheme that is laid out before us in the pages of the New Testament, and also, of course, in the Hebrew Bible, which preceded it. One of the great keys to Bible study is to grasp the simple fact that Jesus was a Jew and spoke to Jews in language which was comprehensible to them. 
in announcing the kingdom of God and urging people to repent in view of its approach, its coming in the future, Jesus was talking to Jewish people with Jewish ideas. Now, we have to make an effort to get inside that culture if we want to react sympathetically to Jesus' teaching. It makes no sense at all that we should take our own Western 20th century American ideas and read them back into the Bible and pretend that what we mean by the kingdom of God is what Jesus meant by it. It's essential to study any historical figure in his own historical environment. Fortunately, we know now a great deal about the contemporary world in which Jesus preached and taught. If I go to England, my home country, and say that I'm mad about my flat, it means I'm excited about my apartment. The very same words in an American culture will suggest that I'm angry about my flat tire. Now, you must do me the honor of understanding my language in my own environment. In the same way, when we read of Jesus and his proclamation of the kingdom, we have to make a conscious effort to study the background in which Jesus preached. Now, the kingdom of God is a very basic idea throughout the Hebrew prophets, the Old Testament. Of paramount importance in your study of the kingdom of God should be Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. It's important, of course, in studying any verse, always to read the surrounding context to get the gist and the drift of what's being said. Daniel 2.44 is the conclusion of a most important chapter in which the outline of world history is given us by divine revelation. In Daniel 2 and verse 44, we read that the God of heaven, that's to say the one God of Israel, the true God, is going to set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. Now that, not surprisingly, is the origin of the term kingdom of heaven. The God of heaven, the true God, is going to set up a kingdom. Hence the idea, the kingdom of heaven. But it's going to be set up on this earth. If you will refer to an equally important text in Daniel 7, verse 27, and again the whole chapter should be studied carefully, you'll see at the climax of a series of events in which there is an anti-Christian figure rampaging as a tyrant against God's people, at the end of that period of time, there's going to occur a kingdom of God to be set up under the whole heaven. That kingdom is to be given to the saints of the Most High, led by the Son of Man. And that, of course, was Jesus' favorite self-designation. He called himself the Son of Man. That Son of Man is what we call in Bible study a corporate figure. The Son of Man embodies within himself others who are like him. And we find, as we trace the story through the Bible, that these are the faithful Christians of all the ages. Those Christians are going to be given that kingdom. It's going to be directed by the Son of Man, Jesus, and by his followers. And it's a kingdom, as we read in Daniel 7, verse 27, which will be set up under the whole heaven. Now, putting together, then, the evidence of Daniel 2, verse 44, and Daniel 7, verse 27, you will find that the kingdom of heaven is to be established on the earth. Kingdom of heaven, therefore, means a kingdom whose origin is heaven, whose origin is God. God is going to divinely appoint this kingdom, and he's doing it by sending his agent, the Messiah, back to this earth, that, of course, we believe as Christians to be Jesus Christ, to initiate this world government across our globe. That's the idea behind the kingdom of God. So when John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3 appeared in the region of the Dead Sea, just west of the top of the Dead Sea, when he appeared 
with his ministry announcing a single oracle, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent, it was not unclear at all what that kingdom meant. Anybody who knew anything about religion in first century Judaism knew that the kingdom of God was the national hope of Israel. The kingdom of God was going to be the time when the faithful would take charge of the government of the world. The kingdom of God certainly did not mean just something in your heart, a religious fellowship now, the dominion of God in your life today. No, it had an external meaning. It was going to be a time when the affairs of mankind were radically changed externally and internally, and the Messiah would himself rule on the throne of David re-established in Jerusalem, and that reign would begin with a period of a thousand years. Now, that fact of the initial stage of the kingdom of God being 1,000 years is given in a later revelation, in fact, in the book of Revelation itself, in a passage in Revelation 20, which has given a great deal of problems to interpreters, but there's really no need for this. It's a simple passage in Revelation 20, 1 through 6, which describes the coming to life from death of those who have served Christ, even to the point of death sometimes, the coming to life of those people in order to be granted the power to rule with the Messiah for a thousand years. Let me describe that passage to you in a little more detail. And if you have any doubt about the fact that this millennium, this thousand-year period, lies in the future, I would like to dispel those doubts. It really is not difficult, if you read with an open-minded, childlike approach, to see that that thousand years has not yet begun. It begins, indeed, only when Christ comes back to resurrect the dead, precisely so that they may take part in that thousand-year reign, the first stage of the coming kingdom of God, for which we pray, of course, Thy kingdom come. May I read you those precious verses in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. If you have a Bible, and any translation will do, I invite you to follow along with me and see the extraordinary unfolding of the divine drama in this millennial passage in Revelation 20, verses 1 to 6. And I saw thrones, John says, and people sitting upon them, and the power to judge was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received the mark upon their forehead and upon their hand, and they came to life and began to reign with Messiah for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. And in verse 6 of Revelation 20 we read, They shall reign with the Messiah for a thousand years. Now two mutually contradictory views of this passage have been held, and a great deal of confusion and division has arisen amongst Christians about the meaning of these verses. One theory called amillennialism, literally non-millennialism, which originated in the theology of Augustine, not until the 5th century A.D., and supported later by the reformers Luther and Calvin. That theory, amillennialism, denies that the passage in Revelation 20 refers to a future reign of Christ and his saints. Now, the opposite view, premillennialism, which was indeed the orthodox view of the earlier Christians from the second century and of many also in later centuries, this view, premillennialism, maintains 
that the rain described in our passage here will begin only at the second coming of Jesus. Now, the technical jargon, amillennialism and premillennialism, should not be allowed to hide the fact that this is a dispute about the kingdom of God and its place in the divine plan. The difference of opinion between amillennialism and premillennialism must therefore be clearly settled so that the gospel about the kingdom of God can be properly understood and accepted, in addition, of course, to belief in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, amillennialism posits the idea that the millennial period here described began at the death of Christ, or perhaps at his ascension, and has been going on indefinitely since that time. Under that scheme, then, the thousand years, or millennium, would not be taken literally. It would simply be a symbol for a long period of time. The other view, premillennialism, says that the millennial reign of Christ cannot begin until Jesus reappears in person to take up his authority in the kingdom of God. Premillennialism, in other words, simply says that Jesus has to reappear pre or before the millennium can begin. For the premillennialist, we are not now living in the kingdom of God. We're not now living in the millennium at all. For the amillennialist or amillennialist, we are indeed living under the time of the reign of Christ from heaven. Our time is running out for today. We invite you to request from us an article on this issue of the premillennial kingdom. And join us again as we continue with our investigation of Jesus' famous and favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.